Hey, thanks for checking out the Blake Pins podcast. On this episode, I'm bringing you a conversation I had with my friend Greg Neely. Greg's the former fire chief of Salem Springs, Arkansas, where he had a really incredible career. And now he serves as a life and career coach. That does not even begin to scratch the surface of who he is and his perspective in life. In my short conversation with him, I can tell you that my perspective on business has changed because of some of the insights he has, not just on life, but especially on how do you deal with difficult circumstances. I think you're going to feel encouraged in this episode. Absolutely reach out to Greg and check him out on LinkedIn. Enjoy this episode, and I will catch you next week. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Blake Benz Podcast. I am sitting down with a very good friend of mine, Greg Neely. He is the former fire chief, has done a 30-year career in the fire department in Siloam Springs, Arkansas. Phenomenal person, a well-sought-out public speaker. He's currently a life coach and helps people really build their resiliency and their fortitude and be much more focused on elevating their inner potential to achieve better results. Uh, Greg, how are you today? I'm great, Blake. Great to be with you today. Yeah, well, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. And right now we are sitting in, formerly, Onyx in Springdale. Now it's Red Kite Coffee, and it kind of feels the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Greg and I, for our listeners, Greg and I were, uh, we met on LinkedIn, which is just a, an amazing tool. And uh, we actually, there was this guy, we're sitting at this table in this side room at Red Kite, and there was a guy who was just working on his laptop before I awkwardly kicked him out of the room. And Greg did such a great job of, hey, are you on LinkedIn? And I just, it's, it's just become such an exciting hub to connect with people, I feel like. Absolutely. You know, the power of LinkedIn is amazing. I actually wound up selling a property on LinkedIn and bragged all about it because I, I just simply posted something on there and some friends showed it around. And, you know, it's just a, a great, great tool uh, help people get jobs, help people get exposure. It's just a very great platform. Mm. And then, so what's funny is so we met on LinkedIn and we were like, we started like liking each other's, I didn't even know who you were. Right. You didn't know who I was. It was just like, and I didn't even really know how we first got connected, but it was like, I don't know if one of us was like, oh, I, that, that makes sense. I like what that guy's saying. And so connected, started commenting and getting active on each other's posts. And then finally, I think it was like, we need to like sit down and actually have a conversation and talk. And then, uh, so this is the second time we're sitting down and I was like, let's just grab a couple of microphones and uh, make, an, make an episode out of this. So I'm excited to have you here today. It's going to be a good time. And yeah, I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know you. And uh, here's the power of LinkedIn, bringing us together. Yeah. So let's maybe start there. I mean, LinkedIn has, it's, it's, it's funny because LinkedIn was the last social media platform that I jumped on. I was on Facebook first. And part of this was because of the marketer I was working with was like, oh, Facebook is, is where all of it is at. You got to be on Facebook. And so it's fairly active on Facebook, active on Instagram, and then kind of slowly jumped on LinkedIn. And now I spend everything else as an afterthought. I spend all of my time on LinkedIn. What do you think is the magic behind LinkedIn? I think you're drawing from a group of people who are intentionally becoming the best versions of themselves. Mm. And 
I don't think that's the case in a lot of other social media platforms. So I think it's some like-minded folks who are all coming together in this community and different industries, different backgrounds, but they all share this goal. They want to be better. They want to improve. And they're very intentional about it. And it's what, what other better way than to uh, just read content, develop content, share content, make friends, and, mm -hmm. and do what we're doing right now, sitting mm -hmm. down and having coffee and talking about what's our next step, what's your mm -hmm. big dream, what are you mm -hmm. thinking of, just mm -hmm. iron sharpening iron. It's, mm -hmm. it's good stuff. Why do you think that, that – why does it not – because I agree with you. It feel, LinkedIn just feels different, especially from a content perspective. It feels – easier to engage with people and it feels very directional in the sense of people, it feels like people are being very intentional, like you said, about trying to better themselves. Why doesn't that happen on like Facebook, for example? That's a very good question. The Facebook has evolved into something that really to me is not that pleasant. There's so many uh, vile opinions and venom spewing and rhetoric and diatribe that I just don't find it edifying. Mm. So I want to get around folks who are going to make me better. Mm -hmm. And so I like to get around folks like yourself, as I mentioned, iron sharpening iron, mm -hmm. the books you read and the people you hang out with your five closest associations, that's going to determine your trajectory in life. Mm -hmm. So if let's just extrapolate that a little bit, if, if you spend eight hours a day on Facebook, you're going to be amusing yourself to death, mm. but you're not going to be growing. Oh, you might get a, you know, find an article that's informative, but you're not going to get around folks who are actually being intentional about becoming better and improving. Yeah, it feels like Facebook is the place for the keyboard warriors to mm. like, <laughs> oh, you know, angrily you pound out the keys on whatever. I, you know, I'm already just considering for the next election just being off Facebook entirely because I, I, it's just people are so volatile in their perspective, which is so funny because I'll have a conversation with someone who I disagree with ideologically. There's nothing in common that we have. And yet in person, face-to-face, -face, we have a very polite and uh, it's, it's an exchange of opinions and it's, it's tactful. And, but yet <laughs> on Facebook, people, it's like, it's like this is their stand, their final stand. It, it is. And you, you've made a very good point. It's like, this is the hill I, I'm going to charge. And I, I don't know why that is, but it's just like you said. If you have a sit down and have a diplomatic discussion with folks, most people are reasonable. But I suppose if you get them in a charged environment where it's negative charged, I think that's probably what comes out of them. Mm -hmm. get them in a good environment. And I think uh, you'll get the good out of them. Mm -hmm. Well, I think when you combine the keyboard warriors with today's outrage culture, where it's almost kind of trendy to be outraged over something, you know, it's almost, and I don't know if it, um, if it just makes you seem more pious or, <laughs> you know, how amazing you are. Cause you're going to stand on this one issue, but it feels like those two things in combination, what it's done is it's caused people now to be less willing to have open dialogue for fear of what, is that going to make me an awful person? Like what's someone going to say about me? What if someone disagrees in a very ugly way? And I don't even mean like political views, even like business things that I've written. I've, I've never had anyone on LinkedIn say anything harsh, 
on my wall, so to speak, but definitely on Facebook. I've had people be like, this is garbage. This is so bad, you know, yada, yada. Um, and so it definitely doesn't feel like fertile ground to be honest with what you think. And you bring up a great point. And I, I actually think people are getting tired of it. Uh, all the virtue signaling. That's what uh, it is. Yeah. 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 I, I think most people are really just kind of tired of that. And th- they want to engage. They want to be edified. They want to be lifted up. They want to be on a positive trajectory. People, we, if you sit down with folks, we all want basically the same things. We want to be happy. We want to be successful. We want to be accepted. And we want to have a life of impact. I mean, it's Maslow's theory of hierarchy as you look at it. And, you know, you're not going to reach self-actuation by tearing somebody else down or by virtue signaling or finding something wrong with what somebody's doing. Yeah. You know, well, well, let's let's all come together. And maybe the, you know, <laughs> and for the person who, for some people, they wouldn't care about this anyway. For me, I think the real danger is not only will you not reach that level of, and, and so for the listeners who may not be aware, there's this theory called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And it's actually, so we used it in education when I was a teacher. And basically it's a pyramid that talks about, it's like the levels of, you can think of it as like um, self-efficacy or like self, uh, the highest level is called self-actualization, which is you're basically walking out your calling, you know, all your gifting, skills, talents, what have you. And on the very lowest level of this pyramid, and what's implied is that you have to meet the basic levels to reach the top of this pyramid. So at the very bottom is like very literally like food and shelter. shelter. Yeah, you have your (laughs) basic needs. Well, this was used in education because it was like, okay, if we want these students to really become critical thinkers and, you know, can be compelling citizens where they can contribute to national dialogue. Well, you have some kids who are coming in who haven't even eaten breakfast, who don't, you know, have maybe one meal a day. And so until you think of a way to solve that issue, you can't expect people to make that leap. And I think the same thing's true in business. A lot of times we have these hourly employees in our businesses who are really struggling to make basic, pay for basic things in their life, food, shelter, you know, rent, what have you. And then we expect them to be these high level strategic thinkers. And we're frustrated that the $10 an hour employee isn't a C level, C suite level thinker when even though they may already have that skill set inside of them or they're capable of it, they're never going to elevate without those basic needs being taken care of. Absolutely. And then they need to get around the people that can help them get good associations. Perspective. And get, yes, get perspective and elevate their game. Hmm. You know, that's one of the things that I learned growing up. I had a 17 on my ACT coming out of high school. My counselor told me, Greg, you're destined for trade school. And I, I bought it. I believe that. And as I got hired on the fire department, I began to realize that I'm capable of learning. Now, I would have been wasting mom and dad's money if I'd have gone to college right out of high school. And I needed to learn to develop. I needed to learn how I learned. I needed to get around good associations. And then over a period of time, I began to realize, you know, I I actually, I can figure out algebra. I, I can pump a fire truck. I can lead a crew. But it took time. It's, it's kind of that 10,000 hours rule. And I think so many of us kind of fall into that trap of, 
oh, those are the smart kids and those are the gifted kids. Those are the really talented ones. And then if we don't see ourselves as that, we don't get around good associations who can elevate us, pick, help us pick up our game. We will settle mm. in life and we'll be stuck in a strata on that uh, hierarchy mm. that, uh, that you've described, that Maslow's theory. And we'll never reach that self-actualization because we're stuck. And that's kind of what I was getting out of. It's, it's not just even about yourself not achieving. It's I've always loved the Bible verse, the power of life and death lies in the tongue. Yes. Your words are so powerful. And I don't even, you know, sometimes I, <laughs> sometimes I hear this and I kind of roll my eyes when like, you know, motivational speakers are really big on, on your words, but it's so true. And I think what should scare people, or at least what scares me is how are my words affecting someone else? So it's not even just about you yourself reaching that peak of, of self-actualization. It's how are your words either compelling someone towards that or preventing them? It's like the person who told you you're destined for trade school. You can, you know, and, and not like there's anything wrong with trade school, but at the time it was, it was said in a way that was basically saying your options are few and far between. And until you overcame that mentality, you know, you, like you said, can be stuck at that strata. That's right. It's the difference between a fixed and a growth mindset. You know, if you're in that, that fixed mindset, then you settle. You think this is my lot in life. I'm, I'm going to be a riveter. That's it. Cause somebody told me that. And then you can have a, a very impactful, even short, meaningful conversation with somebody that can just turn it around for you, that can give you just a little bit of belief that, yeah, you don't have to settle. You, you can actually grow. And if you put in the work, if you get around good associations, talk to folks who are 10 years ahead of where you want to be, find out what they did and see if you can't duplicate that and see if they won't help you develop similar results in your own life. That's what happened for me, and I was very, very fortunate. I, I got around some great crew members who actually, uh, I, I alluded to it earlier, taught me algebra on the kitchen table of a fire station so I could learn how to pump a truck. And from that success, I, I began to study for the driver's exam. And, I, and I, I studied out of pure fear. And in fact, I wound up taking a, a speed reading course, not so that I could speed read, but so I could read while not moving my lips. That's how poor a reader I was. And I just, you know, my area of, uh, you know, my brain in that area was probably atrophied because I hadn't exercised it. And so this whole new thing opened up for me when I, I became a driver, uh, successfully passed that test. In fact, uh, uh, came out number one on it at age 24. And that opened up a door. Now all of a sudden you, you referred to a scripture uh, whatsoever a man believes in his heart, so is he. You know, you are not who you think you are. Mm. I am not who I think I am, but I am what I think you think I am. <laughs> I, I actually become a better version of me when I have belief in me yeah. and when I believe other people believe in me. Yeah. It's, it's amazing, the game changer, because I've, I've been thinking a lot about imposter syndrome, and I was thinking about this answer to this question, of what do you do when you're trying to be successful, but you have zero belief in yourself? I mean, you know all of your junk and your mess and your flaws, and I could never be, you know, et cetera. And I think the answer is exactly what you just said. It's the people around you 
who you feed off their belief in you. Yes. Right. And so even though I may not believe in myself, I have, you know, and so for a great example, be my wife, my wife almost every day is just, is just showering me with praise of you are so gifted. You're so talented. You're, you know, <laughs> and it's like, man, yeah, that's a great marriage. And, it, and it, it's amazing <laughs> because she just, she just, she knows I need that fuel to stay hungry and stay motivated. Um, so I, I love the way you just articulated that. We all need to be affirmed. And one thing that has helped me is I've learned to stop listening to myself and start talking to myself and say very positive things. So if I don't have that, you know, that outside affirmation, uh, I, I know who I am and I, I won't fall into a trap of being isolated and, uh, and thinking negatively because that's that's a trap right there and that's you can circle the drain right there if you fall into that trap so bring every thought into captivity and think good things whatsoever things are good whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things of a good report if there be any virtue if there be any praise think on these things good things in good things out it's it's a your, your brain's a computer and if you feed it good stuff and somebody uh bumps into you, good stuff is going to bounce out of you. Do you remember, because I, I, you know, I feel like when this advice is given, the people who've built a diligence around it and a habit around doing this really get it. So like me, for example, and I don't necessarily do it every day, but definitely days where maybe I'm just feeling especially tired. I get out of my bed and I'm sitting on the edge of my bed and I ask myself three questions. Who does God say that I am? Who do I say that I am? Who does my wife say that I am? And it's, it's, it's the entity that I believe, myself, and then the person closest to me, my wife. And I've seen the magic that comes from that. But I know people who've never really gotten into that habit, when you start talking about this, it's kind of like this fluffy, okay, you want me to do what? really you're going to tell me to stand in front of a mirror and it's like the, the uh, I think it was Stuart Smalley. I can't remember the old, exactly. you know, doggone it. People like me. That's right. You know? Yeah. And, and so I think, I think some people are a little bit in disbelief around it. So I don't know if you can remember this moment. Do you remember the moment that you started to create this habit and what came as a result? I don't think it was really an event for me. I think it was just more of a process and as I became a student of the word, I began to believe what the word said about me. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. All those very positive things, more than conquerors, we can be victorious. And that was what really began to give me the belief that there was, there was a higher power pulling for me who wanted me to do well. And it's a different perspective than the angry dad who, you know, is about to, you know, don't do anything wrong, which that's some people's perspective, perspective of religion. That's very true, Blake. It's funny you should mention that because I was on the way over here. I was thinking about that. And I, I would think the craziest things as a kid, you know, if I had a stupid thought pop in my head, you know, oh my gosh, that's going to make God angry. But, you, 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 stupid thoughts pop in your head anyway. You can't help that. 
you can bring it under captivity. And the Bible teaches us about that. But there's just stupid stuff pops in your head all the time. But if you give license to it, you meditate on it, all that, that's that's when you start, you know, going down a, a bad path. But man, we serve a God who is pulling for us. We are living in a dispensation of grace and he wants the best for us. And man, when I got a realization of that, uh, that's when things began to turn around for me. Uh, I had a failed marriage, and I knew that if I was going to have a successful marriage, my wife and I were going to have to get plugged into a community of believers who actually believe the Word. And so we became students of that, and after 32 years, I'm not saying it's been without, it, it hasn't been without hiccup or, or uh, pothole, but uh, man, we have grown so much together and we have learned to overcome and we have learned to be each other's best friend and each other's advocate. And it's, it's uh, put us on a very, very positive trajectory. And that's what we like to share with folks. We've been down that road. I'm, I'm 60 years old. So if you could have a conversation with the 60 year old you, you know, what would you ask that guy? And I kind of feel like I'm that guy. I've been there. I, I can uh, I can help guide you. I, and, and you need, as you mentioned earlier in the opening, you need to infuse your mindset with optimism, fortitude, and resiliency. And get around positive people. Carve out the negative. Snip the negative out of your life. Whatever it is that is negative, if it's Facebook, whatever it is, if it's associations, if it's, if it's family who is detrimental to your health, just distance yourself from that and don't stay in that environment. Get out of that and get around folks who are lifting you up. I've uh, been really, over the years, active on Reddit, which is another social media. It's, it's like a... Um, people on Reddit probably wouldn't even call them social media, but it's social media. It, it's, it's basically an anonymous forum and there's different, like a message board. And there's a different message board for different topics. So you can go to like the um, technology subreddit and read about all the latest news on technology. You can go to the um, do-it-yourself subreddit and it's everybody showing like their woodworking project. And so there's endless amounts of content. And especially my generation that's obsessed with consuming content, you literally could not run out of things to read about and learn about. So I was having lunch with someone the other day, and he, he and I were joking about how good Reddit is. We're like, oh my gosh, there's so much cool stuff on it. And I said, uh, you know, I've I got to say something. I've been thinking about getting off of Reddit. And he was like, really? I said, yeah, I think about, I'm thinking about getting off of Reddit. And he said, why? And it's because exactly what you just talked about, everyone is so toxic because you'll post something, people can comment and reply on it, and it's anonymous. So imagine what, right. you know, on LinkedIn, there's actually there's some level of decorum because you have like your business title and everything right there. But on a completely anonymous forum, you see people's worst selves. Mm. And uh, it is overwhelmingly negative. And I was like, man, I feel like it's, I feel like it's forming how I see the world. I feel like I'm a more negative person today than I was five years ago. And I can't make the direct link. I don't want to, 
I don't want to crush any of my listeners who are like massive Reddit advocates, but I thought, you know, I think that's a good starting point. And it's funny, as I shared this, the person I was having lunch with said, I've actually been thinking the same thing. How about that? I've been thinking about getting off of Reddit. And I think you're right. Even if you have to change your routine, because I do actually, I give a lot of business advice because there's a a business subreddit, an entrepreneurship one, a startup one. I give a ton of free advice because I love to help people. And, uh, but I think, I think that's maybe a, a new direction I need to take, taking your advice on just being active on surrounding myself with the right voices. That's good. You know, you can block your time, just set your calendar. And if there is a certain amount of time that you want to see what your friends are doing on social media or how, how a uh, post is responding, even though the environment, you know, might not be the healthiest, just budget a little bit of time and just don't stay there. I think one of the things that uh, I see so many people do is they fill their calendar with all this stuff that is not moving them forward. If you look at somebody's calendar, and I, I'm not picking on anybody, I'm just out here you know, talking about trying to become the best version of you. But if you're the captain of your fantasy football league, and you play softball and you bowl, but you don't know the names of your third graders' teachers, and you're not, you know, you're checked out as a dad. If you, you've got to get good stuff in you, you've got to focus on what is important. Write down your values, see, see what is important to you, and then just like you would do a budget to see where your money's going. Do a budget to see where your time is going and how much time are you dedicating to stuff that is not moving you forward. That, that's a comfort-based decision. That's not a values-based decision. So what I've seen is the successful people that I'm associated with, they're very intentional about that. So not, not to say you can't go bowling. That's not what, not <laughs> what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if your calendar is full of stuff that is not positive, it is not in line with your value system and what you say is important to you, then you probably need to make some adjustments. You know, we, we are captive to the habits and choices that we make. That, that creates our life. And we are either enjoying or we are enduring our life. So if we want to change some things, if, if we want a different outcome, we've got to change some habits uh, we've got to change some decisions, and we need to make decisions that are in line with our, our what we say are our values. Putting family ahead of a lot of nonsense. Putting self-development and self-improvement ahead of comfort. How does someone become self-aware to those? Because I think a lot of times you're, you can't see the forest through the trees, right? You're in the weeds, and all you feel is the pain of how your time is being prioritized. So an example of this, it feels like my child and I, we just aren't really pinging. So I feel the consequence, but it's hard for me sometimes to see the prioritization of my time and the actions that I'm making that are leading to said consequences. It's like when Joy and I, there's friction there, and then I have to back up in my mind and realize, oh, it's because I've been working you know, 80 hour weeks and haven't really even been talking, you know, 
she gets home and I'm, I'm working and we don't even have a conversation, it's hard to see the things that lead up to it, but you definitely feel the outcome. You feel the pain of the outcome of, Absolutely. you know, we're just not in sync. So how does someone, how does someone get outside of themselves and see and become self-aware and realize, oh, there, there are some things that need to change? Well, if you see some things that are going on in your marriage, let's just talk marriage, that are unhealthy, talk to some folks who have fruit on the tree and see what works for them and see if they can coach you up just a little bit in that area so you can have similar results in your own life. You, you've got to be very careful about who you take advice from, though. You really need to fo- talk to folks who really are just a little bit ahead of where you're at in life and are at the place that you want to be. And there's a lot of people I've found that are really good at giving advice, but they don't have fruit on the tree. So you really do need to be careful about who you listen to. But I would just say whatever it is in life, you know, if you want to improve your bowling average, you know, talk to somebody who's good at bowling. Mm -hmm. If you want to talk, you want to improve your marriage, talk to somebody who's got a really, really good marriage and see if they'll spend some time with you, coach you up a little bit and help point that out. But you do have to be very intentional. You've got to say to yourself, I am going to make changes. I'm going to make decisions. It's going to be uncomfortable because right now I'm in a comfort zone and growth never comes out of a zone of comfort. You've got to make yourself uncomfortable and make the choices and decisions that will get you the results you want. It seems like that's that's the real magic there is that, and maybe this is a tough pill for people to swallow in the sense that I think many people want change, but when it actually comes to the real work, it's, eh, I don't really, I don't know if I really, like we talk about values, right? In the sense of these are my five values that I want to live for, but really right. there's this sixth value, a selfish value that's really above the other five. And even though I say I want these five, what I really want is, you know, my own comfort, my own time, whatever that value is. And even though I'm maybe not being honest with myself or with other people, that's really what I'm going to prioritize instead of putting in the real work of making these five things, the, you know, the most important things in my life. That's so true. And, and life is, life has pain. And there's really two kinds. There's the pain of the growth and there's the pain of regret. Wow. Yeah. So if you didn't put in the time necessary uh, to grow, you're, you're, you're still going to experience some pain. So it's always best to address it on the front end. And that way you don't have to pay the price later and by addressing it on the back end. And it feels like people are, it's our association with pain is bad. So as you start to feel the pain of growth, or I, I call it the pain of change, as you start to feel the pain of change, it's like, ooh, this hurts. This must be wrong for me rather than wreck. Cause I, but what's ironic about this is you're already going through pain in your circumstances. You just become numb to it. It's become normal, you know? And so this new pain, then it's unfamiliar. It hurts. It doesn't feel good. And so I'm just not going to embrace it any longer. I'll just stay in my old habits. You bring up a very good point. And this is, uh, I, I don't want to broad brush 
uh, an entire community. But I, I will say I was an adjunct professor for probably over 10 years. And I would see a decline in the resiliency of the college students that I was teaching. And I think a lot of it, and I was guilty of this as a parent too, I think we, as parents, and I'm, I'm, I mentioned my age already, I'm, I'm 60, and so I'm, I'm at the end of the boomer generation. And I wanted to take a little bit of the pain out of my kids' lives. I wanted them to have it a little easier than me. And so I think, not for everybody, but I do think there is a segment of the Gen Y generation who didn't experience a lot of struggle. And the struggle is going to happen. It's inevitable. But it's best if you can have that struggle in a more controlled environment and you can build on your successes and build on your confidence rather than having it just a little bit too easy and then get thrown out into the world where now your expectations of how easy life was going to be now, man, you think life's thrown you a curve, Yeah. but pain is inevitable. Growth is optional as John Maxwell says. So just embrace the pain, just embrace it. It's going to be part of your regiment, but do it with optimism get around people who can help you normalize that struggle and just purpose to be resilient and an overcomer and get around folks that can help you with that. That will be your uh, secret sauce, if you will, to overcoming your obstacles, your fears, and having that success and being consistent in that regiment of, of pain. Because now it's like going to the gym, you know, uh, you overcome that resistance and then you start seeing the results. And then all of a sudden you start embracing the gym and for some weird reason, this hurts, but it hurts. Okay. I'm good with it. It's that way in life, different venue, but nonetheless, the, uh, the mentality and the mindset's the same. You'll get to the point that you like it. It feels like there's, there are habits in our mind that are keeping us from, making those changes and we don't even realize it, but it's, it's one of my pet peeves is people who say, Oh, I'm just so busy. And it's almost, it's a little virtue signaling, but it's also, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be ridiculous and say, you know, if you're busy, it's just an excuse, but I've noticed people, they say, Oh, I'm just so busy. And it's an implied. And that's why I can't do the things I really need to do or want to do, or, you know, either my business or professionally, what have you. I can't do the things I need to do because I'm so busy. And it's just interesting to me because it's everyone is busy. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, you only get busier in life. You know, you yeah. have kids, grandkids, whatever. You don't get more time, right? And so it, the only answer, since everyone shares the same 24-hour day, the only answer, it has to be about changing your mentality about how you use your time and creating actual habits about how you prioritize your time. No question. No question. You have to be an expert in excuse elimination. You, got, you have to focus on the results and the outcome and whatever obstacles there, there are, and there will be, there's resistance to any kind of change. I mean, you don't get a six-pack from you know, thinking about your gym membership. You actually have to put in the work. So... You've touched on a very good point. 
eliminate excuses, solve the problems, prioritize based upon what you say are your values, and you will start to see the results. But it is, as Darren Hardy says, it's, it's hidden in your daily habits over time. I saw it this way. I thought this was so interesting, and you can check my math because I'm going by memory. But if you increased yourself as an individual and just got better as an individual 0.01% every day, very small amount, over the course of a year, you had have improved nearly 37% as a person if you were consistent with the 0.01% improvement every day over time. And I think what kind of life throws at us and, and what is rewarded even in life is, well, I'll just work real hard for a little bit. I'll study real hard for this test and I'll still be able to pull a B. And then I get rewarded for that blitz of energy but that's not sustainable in long term. It has to be consistent daily habits over time. That's where you'll see the sustainable results. How do you create that sustained diligence, though? Because we, we can all relate to, I mean, the one day of the year everyone can relate to is January 1st to the point where there is a slew of, I mean, I think they write them in advance and then they just roll them out again. But news articles, blog articles, you know, keeping your New Year's resolution. I mean, it's that day is really powerful for people. Anytime someone goes to like a conference or hears like a mega speaker, you know, they're, they feel empowered. Oh my gosh, I'm going to change all these things. And then how the trend typically goes is a month or two goes by and, you know, you fizzle out. So how, how does someone create that sustained attention to I'm going to move forward even in the micro of 0.01%? That's it's so that's a great question. And I guess the simple answer is feed the solution and starve the problem. And I've read this in multiple different sources, but they the uh, I can't quote where they are right now. I think the one that kind of comes to mind is uh, a book called Switch on Your Brain. And the author there talks about creating a new habit takes like 20 days. You've got to burn a new neuron a new pathway to create this this habit and if you if you're not diligent with it if you have that mindset of i'm going to work really hard today but look at all the other things you do in life you brush your teeth every day you don't say i'm going to brush them really good at the end of the year <laughs> you know you, you, you don't say uh you know i love you to your wife 365 times on the last day of the year you should say that every day it's consistent things over time. And once it becomes a habit, once it becomes a new pathway in your brain, then you've got the discipline. But it, most people, gym memberships rely on the fact that you will buy a membership and not use it. Just a real <laughs> example is I live in a town of 15,039 people. When Planet Fitness opened up, there were 5,000 new memberships. Well, I don't know what they are now, but in theory, one-third of that city <laughs> was a member of that club. And at any given time, I can tell you one-third of that city was never in that, in that gym. Yeah. Well, and, you know, maybe this is – maybe this – I've told this to someone who I was working with or someone had asked for my perspective and – 
So I don't know if this comes across harshly, but it feels like ultimately the the reason that we don't stick to it, because I, I think you just did a wonderful job of pointing out how maybe we overcomplicate overcompli- habit forming. Because we have learned to brush our teeth every day. You have learned to, you know, bathe yourself daily, right? And so we we have these things that have come very easy to us in the sense of, now obviously we had parents at some point who, you know, maybe had to force us into it, but we are capable of forming new habits. And it does feel like it's a bit of an excuse when we tell ourselves that we can't. My theory and what I've told people directly is that the reason you cannot change is because you don't really want to. Meaning now the positive results that you want, I believe you really want them. It's just that the comfort you're currently experiencing by not changing deep down, you really want that more. I, I want to watch Netflix more than I want to go to the gym. And if that was not true, then I would be at the gym. And I think until I embrace that, you know, I think that series of excuse forming keeps me from making the change that I need to make. And maybe that's harsh. I don't know. I don't think it's harsh at all. It, uh, you know, there, there are some folks that might feel offended by that, but sometimes the, the truth hurts and the truth will set you free. You know, there's a, uh, an old, uh, Susan Ashton wrote an old song years ago. I was trying to think of some of the lyrics. It talks about, uh, the truth is more than an opposing point of view. And, we need to embrace the truth. What is the truth about this? And I hear all these things about, uh, you know, somebody's own truth. That's not true for me. There are some absolutes in this world. And if somebody tells you that there are no absolutes in this world, then I would challenge that statement they just made. Well, you just said there's no absolutes in the world. Is that absolute truth? The truth is there is. Uh, as I'm thinking about that, the, the old song goes something like this. Ask the ocean where the water meets the land. He will tell you it depends on where you stand and you're neither right nor wrong. But in the fathoms of the heart, that won't ring true because truth is more than an opposing point of view. It rises above the changing tide as sure as the morning sky. We really need to embrace the fact that truth is more than an opposing point of view. If we apply principles proven success principles in our life, we will see progress. We will eliminate the excuses. We will become professional problem solvers and we will embrace this journey. And you do that by starting and getting around people who will help you and actually lift you up and take you to that next level. And then what will happen is your struggle, your challenge will wind up being somebody else's survival guide as you make progress. Yeah, no, that's powerful. And what it's got me thinking about is how I so agree, first of all. And it kind of ties into this whole, it feels like it goes in tandem with this virtue signaling outrage culture, but it's almost like there has to be an acceptance of everyone's truth it's okay for everyone's truth to be true for them. But when we think about this from a functional standpoint, it just it doesn't make sense. There, has to, there have to be principles that are simply right and that work functionally for a government, 
business, your own personal life, what have you. And I, I think I think this probably all started in a well-meaning way of, you know, appreciating appreciating people's perspectives, but very simply, not everyone can be right. And so I, I think you you make your calling on a. Um, I think what you just said is challenging for some people, but I think it's good. Well, if you're going to find success, if you're going to be happy. You know, the happiest people I know are unoffendable. If you walk around and you're unhappy, to me, the folks that are easily offended, to me, as a rule, have a, a bit of ungratefulness about them. They're not, they don't have a great amount of gratitude. And if you do, just do this exercise, write down everything that you are grateful for, your outlook can change. Because now all of a sudden you need, you're focusing on everything that is good in your life and you're no longer laser focused on everything that is seemingly bad. You just need somebody to give you some perspective on it. You just need somebody who's been down the road just a little bit further than you to say, yeah, that's, yeah, you, that's, that's normal for you to feel that way. But the truth is different. And, and you actually can change and you can actually become a better version of yourself by applying discipline in this area. And then we get to the, I don't have time. I don't have time. That's when you begin to make priorities. Being busy is not, um, uh, it, it, it's, it's really a lack of clarity, really, in my opinion. Actually, I don't even think that's my opinion. I think that's just truth. <laughs> What do you mean by that? Well, everybody's busy. So if you're busy, then you now have an excuse for not doing whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to be a good husband uh -huh. because I'm too busy. Yeah. I'm not going to be a good father because I'm too busy at work. Yeah. I'm not going to be you know, a good employee because I'm too busy with fantasy football. I mean, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, they're, you just got you just one just has to determine that they're going to establish a value system and then make decisions looking through the lens of those values. And if your family is number one and you got an opportunity to go into, you know, a bunch of debt to make a crazy car payment that is not values based, then don't make that decision, you know. Make, make a decision that makes more sense. Get something that's reliable, but that's within your budget so that you put your family first and not you first and your status first. I mean, that's just kind of an example. But, yeah, you've just got to be intentional and ensure that you are making decisions based upon your values, not based on comfort, not based on status, not based on what people think uh, so that you can post something on Instagram to impress somebody. Just make the right decision. It feels like there's, there's a, it's worth it to delay gratification in the sense of, you know, in our culture, it's, it's someone when I was younger called it our iPod culture. Cause you know, back when the iPod caught on fire, it was like, Oh my gosh, I can have any song I want right then and there. And it's, it's the same. It's, it's fast food culture. Basically it's the BK have it your way. You know, if I want it, I should be able to get it, should be able to have it. And so, yes, it makes financial sense for me not to buy this car, but it feels really good to buy this car right now, you know? And, and so 
it's it feels like that's but that it feels like that's where the payoff is long term is delaying i'm going to delay it another day and then get it down the road my kids used to enjoy this uh show it was a movie it's about peter pan it was called hook i don't know if you've ever seen it or not love that movie yeah <laughs> robin williams dustin yes hoffman. dustin hoffman so yeah in this uh one scene dustin hoffman is talking about jack and uh Jack's the, the young man in there. And anyway, he, he is talking about the, what children do is the attitude is me, 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 mine, 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 <laughs> now, now, now. And although some people could get very offended by that, if they choose to be, the, the truth is, if you will look at that through your lens, you know, through this lens of what's what's most important, is this about me? Is it about mine? Is it about now? Or is it about my family? Is it about putting my kids ahead? What is the values-based decision to this? And don't focus on yourself. Take your eyes off yourself and focus on others. And guess what? Some something wonderful happens. As you begin to focus on others and your family nucleus uh, your needs wind up getting met you become happier because your focus is now on somebody else and you're not focused on yourself Mm. so that me 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 mine 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 now 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 uh, attitude uh, is not productive and it's while you might feel good for the moment you know, that payment's going to be there for a long, long time, and it's going to prevent you from doing a lot of other things, advancing your family and advancing yourself. Yeah, it's it's pleasure now, and I'm going to feel pain later, versus I would rather have the pain now of delaying it so I can enjoy things down the road. Exactly. And I really love what you said about having a heart of gratefulness, because it feels like that that is challenging sometimes, especially when you're stuck in your circumstances. Really great example of this. This just happened to me last week. So I was feeling down about, you know, because when I started the business, I was like, man, in a year, I'm going to have a million dollar plus business. Easy, easy. Because I had sold a lot at my old company. And I just, I felt like I knew how sales worked and felt, it just felt really easy to me, or at least it had at my old company. And then I learned very quickly, okay, entrepreneurship is much more challenging than, you know, you just, hey, I'm offering this and then people buy it, right? And so uh, I'm, about to hit, I'm about to hit my one-year mark. I did not hit a million dollars in revenue. And I was feeling down about myself because I was thinking like, man, I wonder what I did wrong. All this to say, my, we had a couple over, they're here uh, working on a doctoral program. They're from China. And I was talking to the husband and he was talking about in China how, uh, and we own what in my mind is just a very modest home. It's, it's a 2,000 square foot house, three bedroom. Uh, it's a great starter home and we're very happy and content with it. But I've just never thought of it as being like amazing, right? It's a very, it's, it's a common home that many people will purchase as their first home. Well, so he talks about in China, there is... You know, no one has a home like that. I mean, you're, you're trying to get just an apartment and they're very expensive. No one owns property because there's so many people there. 
And he was saying it's just very hard to, to fulfill your ambitions long-term for property. So we go out in my, pat, my back patio, and I was just asking for some perspective. And out on the back patio, I have a couple of lawn chairs. I have this old beat-up shed, and the grass hasn't been cut in about six weeks because we just haven't had time. So it's overgrown, you know, thorns and thistles, and, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed by it. So we sit down, and he just goes, this, and he's looking out over my ugly, grown-over lawn, and he goes, this is what I've worked my whole life for to have. Wow. Is this right here? And I, I kind of follow his eyes and I'm like, this? Like, what? This is nothing. You know, this, this is lowest rung, nothing to be proud of. I mean, you see on Facebook, and there's always the obnoxious people in front of like their Maserati or like their, right. con, you know, on the beach. And I'm like, this is this all dinged up you know, rickety shed. And this is ugly. And he says, this is what I've, I've worked my whole life to have this. And it just gave me some, in that moment, I felt two things. I felt perspective on how good I have it and what I've accomplished in terms of that gratefulness. Right. And I felt guilty for minimizing it, for, you know, pushing it aside and saying, that's not good enough. And it's nothing, it's nothing wrong with being hungry and ambitious and anything like that. It's just, it's, I think, exactly what you're saying, that, perce- that perspective of gratefulness and realizing what you actually have and what's going well for you. For me, that was a game changer. I think the media does a lousy job of telling us how great this country is. And I think we've lost a lot, even in the... I'll just pick on the public schools. I don't think the public schools do a great job of telling us how great and exceptional our country is. Look at the folks that want to come over here and live the American dream. We constantly have to redefine what poverty looks like around here. The folks who are, quote, in poverty here have air conditioning, they've got a refrigerator, they've got a transportation, they've got a smartphone, they've got a television. They live better than a large segment of the population worldwide. And I think your, your so friend true. has rightly pointed out, we really should be grateful. And not satisfied, not content to rest on our laurels and, and not advance, but certainly be grateful and say, you know what, I'm just going to make my dream a little bigger. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to settle here. I'm going to be in a constant state of, state of improvement. I'm going to become the best version of myself, and I'm going to leave a legacy to my children's children, and I'm going to break every curse, generational curse that there was, and I'm going to make sure that my children have a better life than I had, and, and we're going to do it together. Mm. Powerful stuff, man. We are out of time, and I feel like we just scratched the surface. I have so much other, so many other things I wanted to ask you about. I mean, you're a NWA native and I, I think your perspective on business here is, is valuable. So we'll have to sit down again and really dive into some other things. I want to make sure I direct our listeners to you. What is the best way that people can follow you, can stay engaged with you and potentially even hire you? You know, what's, what's the best way to stay in touch with you? I think on LinkedIn would be, the best. It's uh, Greg H. Neely, N-E-E-L-Y, uh, public speaker, life coach, 
should any of those searches on LinkedIn should pop that up. And I've got content on there several times a week. Just come visit and uh, give me a call and let's see where it goes. Right. Well, I appreciate you being here today. And uh, for our listeners, definitely let me know what you think about the episode. You can reach me, Blake, at goodadvicecoaching.com. Definitely connect with Greg. Let's get out there and have more positive, resilient mindsets. Because not only is there a lot of success for us ourselves to attain, there's other people that I think we can spark and help them achieve some really incredible things. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you next week. See ya.